Good morning. It's good to see each one. Good to be here. Stand before you a little burdened. Well, not a little. <laughs> Stand before you heavily burdened this morning. Burdened for the church. Burdened for our hearts. We all know the political mess we're in. And that's distressing for sure. We don't like it. We don't like the, the way things are going and the freedoms and the liberties that we see being removed. And we spoke some about that last week. Uh, and we will get back to that. Um, speaking about our rights as a, a citizen of this nation and what the Bible has to say about it and how I believe we ought to stand up and fight for rights that God has given us, especially here in this blessed nation. However, that is not what is weighing on me this morning. What has kind of hit my heart and uh, given me a huge wake-up call is the situation that the believers in Afghanistan are facing right now. And I'm talking about, I, 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 it doesn't matter to me, if you understand what I'm saying, what denomination they may be. I'm talking about people that believe in Christ as Savior. We have abruptly pulled all of our forces from there and thereby have pulled the protection that our soldiers, our brave men and women who have given their lives to serve this country, we, we have pulled the protection that they provided against the evils, and I have no qualm saying that, the evils of the Taliban and the evil things they want to do, the evil beliefs they hold to. We have pulled all protection and the stopgap that we were from that country overnight. And that evil has overrun the country and they are targeting believers in Christ, threatening them with death. And they most likely have already carried out much of that. It's hard to get the facts on this because the media is not going to cover this. <laughs> this is not going to be a headline news. They're going to tell you how everything is okay and if there's anything bad, it was Trump's fault. If you want to be blame. Uh, blatantly honest that's what you're going to hear when you turn on the news how it's nobody's fault and everything's fine everything's fine look over here we have aliens you know that's kind of been the mo the past year <laughs> it's hard to get the true facts on this and fact checkers are already running rampant to say no way i told you they'd do that on wednesday didn't i no way this is not this is not how it's going the Taliban loves Christians. Everything's fine. They're having tea together. <laughs> That's what the media will tell you. That's not the facts. It's not the facts. Fact checkers do not change the facts. Christians are losing their lives. And what blows my mind, what has hit my heart, is that those Christians are not backing down. That's amazing me that's convicting to me 
And most American Christians will read those reports and, and hear the, that news and they'll say the same thing. They'll say, wow, how convicting. And then they go golfing today. And sleep in. And go to a car show or a nail salon. They go to work. They do whatever they dang well please. Anything other than church. Because I don't need church to worship God and all the things you hear. And our brothers and sisters across the globe didn't blink. And they went, even if it meant their death. I might die. I'm going to church. What's the difference? That's what's weighing up. What is the difference? What is going on here that makes us so weak at times and so distracted? Spent a lot of time with that. In my own heart, we, we all know the distractions in our own heart, but I'm talking across, across the, the land. What is it? The difference maker is the gospel. The true gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, Him coming to us, giving His substitutionary death as the atonement for sin, the redemption that is bought with His precious blood and sealed by His resurrection. All those fancy words we use means that Jesus Christ is our only hope of eternal life, our only hope of eternal peace and forgiveness of sin. It's in Christ and in Christ alone. And that gospel is glorious. It's a glorious, wonderful message. It's a glorious ministry that has been given to us. And I want to ask you right from the get-go, do you believe that this morning? That is Jesus and Jesus alone and our faith in Him that saves us. Nothing else. Because that message changes everything else in our life. And if that message is off, then we've got a problem. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And I might just say from the get-go, might want to buckle up. This one might be a little spicy. Because we've got some things to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you would, turn your Bibles there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. This is Paul writing. He says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. What ministry is he talking about? Well, if you go in chapter 3, he's talking about the glorious ministry of the gospel. That we can, through the gospel, behold Christ in His Word face to face and be changed by the gospel, changed by obedience from glory to glory to glory as we become more like Him. But it all starts with that glorious gospel. And we have that ministry. Do you know this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, that lays a burden upon you to tell all that you know about Jesus. Because you know the forgiveness that He brings. You know the eternal life that He gives. We have this ministry. And it's not just the ministry of the gospel. It's a ministry that's driven by mercy. Verse 1, as we have received mercy, we faint not. God is rich in mercy to us, isn't He? The whole gospel is driven by that. God 
who is rich in mercy, loved us so much. We beseech you by the mercies of God. You hear that phrase come up over and over and over as Paul is presenting the gospel and is presenting salvation. And we have received much, haven't we? You think about it. All the times we've sinned, all the times I've sinned, all the times you've sinned. Like not a, uh uh-oh, oops, knowingly sinned. Knowingly told the Creator, made a willing choice, the one who allows you to take your next breath, the times you've said, nope, not going to do that, and He lets you live. We were talking to God. We're talking about God. And we tell Him no. And He allows us to take a next breath. That's mercy. How many times has that happened? Mercy enough to not only provide the way that we can be saved, but to allow dirty, rotten, filthy sinners to hear it and believe it. That's mercy. God is a merciful God. We have received mercy. We know the mercies of God. We ought to speak the mercies of God. That's the ministry that he's talking about. The ministry of the glorious gospel, one that's driven by mercy. Mercy we have received. Mercy we know everybody else needs out there. So we faint not. Right? Isn't that what it says at the end of the verse? We faint not. Because we know God is a merciful God. He's rich in mercy, willing that no one should perish. Or do we faint easy like one of those goats? You know, you come up to say, boo, and the bat. COVID, bat. I can't go. I might die. Oh, I might faint. It's too hot for church. It's 100 outside, and I'm tired. Besides, I'm so busy. I don't have time to worship or tell other people they're going to hell. I've got stuff to do. Do we faint or do we faint not? Because we know the mercy of God and we know the gospel of God, which is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, Romans 1.16. It says we faint not because people need to hear the pure and simple gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a need unlike any other time for the simplicity and the purity of the biblical gospel to be preached. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone and nothing else. Because that has been lost largely. Look at verse 2. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. There are so many people who handle the word of God deceitfully. Pulpits across the land are filled with it. People sell it. If you give this much money, God will be happy enough with you to save you. They sell it. Send me your money. Buy this holy water. Do this, do that. It revolves around money. People sell the gospel. People sell their books rather than the Bible. You know how many people today in a pulpit are opening up and say, let me tell you about my new book, when they should be opening up the Word of God and preaching that. And they're causing you to trust more in their program. There are seven steps to have chicken soup for the soul or some Christian jargon that's out there. And they're more excited to preach that than the living Word of God. People handle this 
deceitfully. They change it. They pervert it. They take away from it. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8, Listen, whether we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Let him be damned. And in case you didn't get it, he says it again in the next verse. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. Seems to be pretty important that we preach the pure gospel, doesn't it? And there are people all around selling it, perverting it, changing it. May God strike me down if I stand up here and preach from some book or some program. If I stand up here and I say, take out so-and-so's book and open it to page so-and-so, you tell me to get out and open the Bible and come back when I can open the Bible. Because it's that vital that here on the Sunday morning, the pulpit is filled with the preaching of the Word. May God strike me down if I stand up and preach my own ideas or my own strategies. May God strike me down if I stand behind this pulpit and preach anything other than the Word of God and Jesus Christ crucified. The command of Scripture is to preach the Word. Don't sell it. Don't alter it. Preach it. Because let me tell you, my friends, the time is here when people will not endure sound doctrine anymore. The time is here when they will heap up for themselves. We're talking about 2 Timothy chapter 4. They will heap up for themselves false teachers that will satisfy their itching ears. Tell me how good I am. Now what a sinner I am. Tell me how God wants to make me rich. And if I post some Bible verses in my house, then I'll never get sick. And I'll just have all that I could want. Not that hard stuff. No, the command of Scripture is to preach the Word. For God has chosen by the foolishness of preaching, the preaching of the Word to save them that will believe. And Paul says we better preach it and preach it true. We've received this ministry. Let's be true to it. And not only that, it wasn't just the preaching of Paul that proclaimed the Gospel. Look in that last half of verse 2. It's not only we we handling the Word of God correctly, as he said in another place, uh, rightly divide, cut it straight. We're going to rightly divide the Word of truth. He says, we're not handling deceitfully, but look, but commending ourselves, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. What's that talking about? He's showing that the gospel is real and a life changed by the gospel that other peoples can see. Believing in Jesus changed our life, didn't it? At least it should have. Life altering. Like I was dead, now I'm alive. I was bound for hell, now I'm bound for heaven. And my life should show that. Do you and I commend the gospel to those around us by a life that's changed that other people can see? Do they see the effect of the gospel in us? Like this is real to us? Not just some Sunday morning jacket we put on and take off when we go to work. But this is my life. I am a child of God, saved by the grace of God. Do people see that in me? Does my life commend that? 
And listen, this would be a good time for all of us and me. This is what I've been dealing with. Take off the filters of how good you think you are. Because we can do that, right? Oh, I go to church three times a week. Or I do this, or I don't look at them over there. No, 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 drop all that. Drop all the silly justifications of why we can't or why we don't. Because we got a list a mile long, don't we? And I've just had to take a, a look at my life. Do I portray and proclaim the gospel, not just by what I preach, but by what I live? What is our life really all about? What does it revolve around? And if the center of your universe is you, there's a problem. It ought to be Christ. Do they see Him? That He is truly, listen now, that Christ is truly worth more to us. And I use that phrase for a reason. That Jesus is worth more to us than everything else, like money or stuff or health or life. That His value is higher than everything else to us. Because the American church And I know I'm going to be painting with some pretty broad strokes, but I think it's true. The American church has equated money and wealth and health and ease with God's blessing. And we've fallen head over heels in love with money, health and wealth and ease, no persecution, more than God himself. That's how God shows you He loves you, we say. And if you have more stuff, you're more blessed, so He must love you more. Tell that to those in Afghanistan. Because according to the mainstream version of Christianity right now, God must really hate them. We stand over here and tend to look down our arrogant noses and say, oh, poor them. No, 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 no. I think it's poor us. Because those brothers and sisters in Christ right now on the other side of the world are commending to me the true worth of the gospel. They say it's worth more. It's worth more so much that I'll lose my life For going to worship my Lord and Savior, it's worth more than all of that. You don't do that unless you've really met Jesus. Unless the gospel is real. Listen now. Here's here's what I have been wrestling with. If that were to happen here, in America, widespread across the land, If the command went out that if you were to show up today to church, imagine that, going to church when we have services. That's a novel thing. But if you were to go to church, you would lose your life. Would you come? Would you show up? Most churches across the land would be empty. 
they'd probably tune in on live stream to see what's happening. But I think most churches across the land would be empty. And you'd hear the same old things. I don't need to go to church to serve God. Don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Ah, All the stuff we hear. But what I see is that sickness and persecution and death are the absolute worst thing that can happen to the modern professing Christian. I can't do that. I might die. You want to question me on that? I watched. I watched how most professing Christians handled a 0.2% chance of death. And they ran in fear from it. Which leads me to believe most professing Christians today do not have a grasp or may not believe the true gospel of God. They believe a form of it. They have a form of godliness, but deny what? The power thereof. Paul talks about that. 2 Timothy 3. It's going to come in the last days. Or it's 1 Timothy. One of them, read them both. They're good. It's going to come in the last days, times when people have this form of godliness, but they don't hold the power. They don't know the power. And that starts at the life-changing power of the gospel, doesn't it? You may say, man, that's harsh. Who are you to stand up there and say that? Who are you to pass judgment? Listen, I'm just saying what I see around me, and sometimes even in my own heart, I have to check myself. My concern is that the American church does not even understand some of the basics of salvation like this like eternity in heaven, and that that's real and far better than anything here. Because we seem pretty caught up with right here and right now. And anything starts messing with right here and right now, we get ticked off at God. Like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why do I have cancer? Why am I losing my job? You're not very good, God. No, no, no. Your focus is off. Heaven is not here. You know that, right? It's not here. But we think it is. Look at verse 3. We need to preach the true gospel and what it means. Starting there. We preach the whole counsel of God. Paul said that. But you see in his letters, he was very concerned about getting the gospel right. So much so that he even tells this church with all of the instructions in in the first letter and in the second letter, he says, man, I, I only want to be known for one thing, preaching Christ and Him crucified. You got to get that right, guys. You know, so we we had better preach that true. Verse 3, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. You understand, our message should be clear so that there is no mistaking. There is sin, there is hell, and there is a Savior if we would believe in Him. Our message has got to be crystal clear. If it's hidden, let it not be because we said it in a way that it was wrong. Let it be because there are hearts and minds that are blinded by sin and Satan. I want the message to ring true from this church. 
so that God can use it to open blinded eyes and hearts. Listen, you know Satan works to keep that. Do not minimize the problem of sin within our own hearts. Our sin has separated us from God. It has blinded our eyes and deafened our ears to the truth. We are born dead and damned by our sin. People try to uh, smooth it over or say we can work and it'll all weigh out in the end. No. Our sin sends us to hell for eternity. The wages of sin is death. The Bible is clear on that. We are hopeless without God stepping in to save us. And Satan works to keep us that way, to keep us hardened to the truth, to keep us belligerent. But beloved, I've seen something come about and Satan use a plan actually that's quite brilliant. Send out a false gospel. One that sounds close. One that looks the same but is not. Let's let's tone it way down on that sin stuff and way down on that hell. That word scares people. Makes them not want to come back when you talk about hell. Let's tone that way down. Stop making people feel guilty. Goodness. Church is supposed to be a happy place. Stop making people feel guilty about their sin and against God. You make God sound mean. And throw out language like born again and reduce the gospel to this. If you want to go to heaven, raise your hand. Boop, you're good. Sign this card. Send in this amount of money. Repeat these words. Boop, you're good. If someone has to... I've, I've heard this. I've heard this. Congratulations, you were just saved. Nobody had to tell me I was saved. I knew at the moment I believed. My sin is gone. I feel different. I'm at peace. I didn't have to have some guy say, hey, guess what? In case you didn't know, you were just saved. No! But that is what's going on. No mention of hell. No mention of sin. No mention of repentance. No change within, no change without. And hence, we have this so-called Christianity in the land that is weak and that runs from any sort of adversity that is more focused on self than anything else because I don't believe they have the gospel. And it would cease to exist in the face of anything that, like what is going on overseas. And that way of thinking that is so pervasive in the world today has worked its way into the Lord's churches as well. We must be very bold. We must be very clear with the foundation of our faith, the gospel. What is it that saves us? What is the gospel? What is it that will drive those to believe, to count their lives as nothing to serve for Him? Look in verse 4. At the middle of the verse, lest, well, let's start at the beginning. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, darkness hath shined in our hearts 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. It's Him. The glorious gospel that He has come down to us. He has brought light in the darkness. He has provided the way that we can be saved and forgiven. The way that we can have eternal life. We don't have to spend an eternity in hell and in judgment for sin because Jesus came to save us. It was on one Sunday some 30 years ago, God showed up with the light of the gospel in my life. He he opened my blind eyes to show me my sin. Hey, you're not right with me. There's some things that need to be taken care of. And at that same moment, He showed me my sin. He showed me The glorious fact that Jesus went to the cross for my sin. That He took my sin that He might give me life and He might take away my sin and give me His righteousness that I might spend forever with Him. I believed, I trusted Him, and praise God at that moment something happened. All my sin was gone. I was born again and my home now is in heaven. Can you say that today? Simply and only Because of Jesus. Not because I went to church. Not because I was baptized. Not because of any money. Not because of anything else. But simply trusting Christ who died for me. That's the gospel. Salvation does not come from any other way. You know, some people point to a wonderful experience they've had. I've had wonderful experiences. I I married the most beautiful creation on earth. My wife. That's a wonderful experience. I watched both of my kids come out of mama. That's wonderful. Look, look at what God did. That's crazy. Wonderful experiences. None of them took away my sin. None of them made me right with God. You can have some wonderful experiences that might be moving. It does not give you eternal life. I've, it, I grew up loving God and knowing Scripture it was part of my home. Understand this and understand what I say. Just loving God does not save you. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever loveth Him, right? No, no. There's a word missing, isn't there? Whosoever what? Believes. Whosoever believes on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, it shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in and trusting Christ who died for our sins. He is my salvation. He shed His blood for me. And I trust Him to forgive me and to save me. I asked Him to forgive my sin and He did. And beloved, if you do the same, He will for you. Any other gospel is not the gospel. Any other gospel does not captivate us like the true gospel. Salvation is coming face to face with with Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins, our Savior and our Lord, and is trusting Him. If you've experienced that, that ought to be real to you. As real as anything else we could ever imagine. Real enough to give our lives and service to Him. Why do we get baptized? Because He saved us. And I want to serve Him. Why do we come to church? Because He saved me and I want to serve Him. Look at verse 5. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, what? The Lord. 
That's a whole other sermon, but He is to be Lord of our lives, Master of our lives. It's a glorious gospel that transforms everything. So precious that, to us that we would even lay down our lives because we know heaven is coming. We will finally be with the one who loves us so. Now listen, if any of that sounds old or boring or blah to you, you don't have to wait for the altar call. You can start praying now. Because either you need a serious heart check or you need to believe the gospel. Look, look, verse 7. We have this what? Treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. We have, we have this treasure the ministry of the gospel, the mercy of God, Christ Jesus the Lord. Oh, we are so distracted. The biblical call is to serve Him like He is real and like He is far better than anything else. Like heaven is far better and more real than anything else in our life. Like eternity with Him is what we are to desire. Like we can't wait to see Jesus. Heaven is not here. You realize that? What are, what are we doing so often? We are chasing the wrong things. Living for the wrong things. Taken with the wrong things. Those brothers and sisters right now, they understand something maybe we don't. The reality of the gospel. Go to church and you die. Okay. Win-win for me. Should be a treasure that captures our hearts, a reality that orders our lives. I'm going to heaven when I die. I will be set free. So look in verse 8, please. We are troubled on every side, which we are, aren't we? It seems like things are pressing down. And things are getting harder. We're troubled on every side, but yet what? We're not distressed. We are perplexed. It's okay to ask God what's going on. <laughs> uh, Lord, you see this. <laughs> Is this according to your will? I don't quite understand. It's okay to say that. Bible writers did. David did. Jeremiah did. Job did. We're perplexed, but not in despair. I don't give up hope because things aren't going according to my plan. No, they're going according to God's plan, aren't they? Persecuted, but not forsaken. Right there in it, God is with us. Cast down, but not destroyed. You see, there's something about us when we have a hold of the gospel and we know the reality of it that makes us undefeatable. Makes us rock solid. Look at verse 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, 
but life in you. That is what's going on when I see things like this. The people are willing to give their lives up to worship the Lord because they understand the gospel. You know what that does? That lifts me up. That gives me encouragement. Death working in them. Jesus using that to revitalize life in me. Or you could put it this way. When Stephen gave his life as he uh, preached to the Sanhedrin council, he was giving his life in death for Christ. But God used that and got to a certain young man standing there at charge of it, Saul of Tarsus, and used the death of Stephen for life in Paul, didn't he? So that when he called on Paul, Paul's heart was ready. And Paul changed the world, didn't he? Let's be honest. The only death we've had to bear about in our bodies is some mild ridicule from peers or some sickness. But if the gospel's real in our hearts, we understand it, we'll be able to face whatever may come. Verse 13. We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. We believe and therefore speak. Knowing, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up, us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Do you believe the gospel this morning? Do you know, without a shadow of a doubt, your eternity lies in heaven because you have trusted in Christ as your Savior? If we say yes to that, then let's go speak it like we believe it. Speak like heaven is real and you can't wait to get there. You ever... You ever... see things come across Facebook? I hate using that in messages, but... see things come across Facebook and say, if I could just talk to somebody in heaven... You know, what would they say or whatever? I get it. But I, I don't think it'd be advice. Maybe it'd be some, some sense of encouragement. You know what I think they say? Get up here. <laughs> you, you have got to get up here. It's way better. What are you doing down there? Come on. Because that's the way Paul talks about it. To what we have heaven opened, we see rejoicing, we see praise. Maybe we ought to live like that's real to us. Like heaven's real. We can't wait to go there. We can't wait to see Jesus. Speak like we love Him. Speak like we truly love Him. And act and live even when faced with death itself like the resurrection in heaven and the gospel is real and there's so much more coming. It just might be through that thanksgiving that His grace will shine into the hearts of others unless you've been led to believe some other gospel. Unless it's some health and wealth and prosperity junk that focuses on here and now. Or if it's some misleading thing that has caused you to think you're okay with God. As I said before, when we are saved, we know it. 
We know there's a change happening. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. We are born again. I know when Jesus changed me because I believed in him. Let's finish up. Verse 16. Here's what the gospel does. Here's what serving him with all that I am does. And it's pretty simple. Paul says for this cause, verse 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Though this body grows old, though many people might try to hurt this body, though this body decays, my inward man is renewed and growing stronger day by day in the Lord. For our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul says his light affliction. We could go just a couple chapters over and he could list all this light affliction that he says, being whipped to death three times just about, beaten with rods, shipwrecked, betrayed. He says... It's just a little light trouble for a moment. Because there's something far more precious coming. He puts it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's not even worthy to compare While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Here's what, I, here's, here's what the gospel will do for us. It lets me know that everything's going to be fine. No matter what happens here, for me, because I've trusted in Jesus, it will be alright. There's coming a day when He will reign as King. And there will be no more injustice, no more corruption, just righteousness. And the gospel lets me know there's coming a day when I will be freed from sin. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, just peace and joy in heaven with Him. There's coming a day when I won't have to talk to God anymore through prayer, but I can talk with God. A day of such joy and beauty... I can't even comprehend it with this human mind. A day that all this light momentary affliction cannot even touch. A day because of the gospel that will be worth everything and anything that I could give in service to Him. Perhaps it's time we got a hold of that. Look past the here and the now and the things that capture our attention. Perhaps... We, beloved, have become too focused on the temporary and we've forgotten the eternal. I've had a wake-up call to that, just hearing what's going on overseas. Do you believe the gospel today? Is it real to you? Just as the job you go to tomorrow or the life you're living now? Because if it is, it changes everything. The true gospel drives our service to Him. I'll do whatever you want, Lord, because all that you've done for me.
It drives outreach. We have this ministry. We faint not in it. Verse 1. It drives our wants and desires. And we will long for the day when we go home to Him. Otherwise, what are we doing here? What are we doing here on a Sunday morning? Gathering together for me to give you some pep talk? How to be better humans this week? No. We come here because of the gospel, don't we? To worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to tell others about His saving grace. Do you believe the gospel today? Do you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross to save you? Have you trusted in Him for salvation? Have you asked Him to save you? To forgive you of your sins? Can you remember that moment that He did? Over and over, Paul points back to a moment. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me on that road to Damascus. He points back to that moment. The Philippian jailer can point back to a moment when he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they say, Believe, and you shall be saved. The Ethiopian eunuch can point back to a moment when he asks, hey, what do I got to do to be baptized? He asks Philip, what does Philip say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then you can be baptized. He says, I believe. Ephesians chapter 1 says, we heard the word of the truth of the gospel and we believed. Have you? Have you? Not because you heard some moving song. Not because you had some dramatic experience or someone told you that because you raised your hand you were saved. Have you had a personal experience with Jesus? Believing in Him for forgiveness of sin and eternal life in heaven. If you have not, today can be that moment of salvation for you. We're going to sing a Song of invitation here after we close in prayer. And it'll be a time for you to confess your sin and turn to Him. To trust fully in Him. Judgment can be removed. Your sin can be taken away. You don't have to fear hell. Heaven waits for you if you would believe in Jesus. I pray you would if you haven't. And then for those of us who do, let's live like it. Like Jesus is the most important thing in our life and we can't wait to worship in His house and to tell others about Him and we can't wait to finally see the One who died for us. Living like heaven is real and not here. Do you believe? Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray You would take these words Take them to our hearts. Lord, refresh the reality of the gospel and what you did in our hearts and in our spirits that day you saved us. Lord, let heaven shine ever brighter in my heart again that I would fall back in deep love with Jesus and that it would drive all that I do People would see the reality of the gospel in me, Lord, and of your work in me. Maybe we may we be a church full of people captivated by the gospel and following you with all that we are and declaring that gospel clearly to this community, to this world.
Lord, I pray for those of your children overseas who are facing persecution, facing loss of life. Lord, strengthen them. Strengthen them and protect them and guide them through this, Lord, and help us to learn from their example as we can look back not only to them, but through the pages of history and faithful men and women who stood for the truth. And may we let the fire of the gospel burn once again in our hearts. Lord, if there's, nobody, if there's somebody here who does not know you as Savior, Lord, that you would ask that you would move on them, shine a light in their hearts as you promised, show them their sin, and show them the glorious light of, God, of Christ. Please do the work that I cannot do, even now as we move to a time of invitation. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.